lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, and I have to be just up front and apologize. The show is coming out just a tad bit later than normal. Um, normally, we're up on Thursday morning, um, but it's going to... But it is a little Thursday afternoon, um, and yeah, I, it, I think that kind of tends to go for many things the, the the day after Christmas, or the day after the holidays, or during a holiday, or any time where you have uh, just a whole lot of messy wine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's back for the show here. Um, and I hope everyone had an awesome holiday, whether you were with um, uh, your the family you were given or the family that you chose. Um, you know, that's that's a super important thing for all of us to uh, enjoy that time together. And, and that sense of camaraderie is a very important thing uh, for me, not just on this show, but in, in general. Um, you know, that, that's something that... You know, it hasn't always been there for some people. It hasn't always been there for me. And, um, you know, I know that we all have our struggles. And, you know, I know there have been plenty of my my friends um, that I've seen on Twitter dealing with the... <laughs> dealing with the tribulations of uh, going back into an environment that is not as welcoming as the one this, that they have created for themselves. Uh, where they live and yeah that stuff sucks it really does I'm glad that we are able to carve out our own spaces to help to help us cope with uh, the times that we feel forced to go back into those um, environments that make us either make us feel closeted or remind us of when we were closeted um. Yeah, it's all right though. The holidays are almost over, so that little snippet of time, if it is proving a problem for you, hopefully will uh, soon pass. And if not, you always have us here to welcome any and all. And speaking of welcoming any and all, that is a heavy emphasis on uh, my discussion today with one Lolo McGrath. Lolo um, identifies as non-binary, and they are uh, the chief brand officer and co-founder for Primetime Pro Wrestling, uh, an independent promotion based in the D.C. area. Um, They're still relatively young. They've only been running for, I think, less than a year at this point. But, you know, they've come out of the gate blazing. Um, a lot of awesome talent, a lot of diverse talent, um, and then of course, you know, a lot of queer talent. And that queer talent is going to be showcased uh, at a show um, in March, March 7th to be exact, called Butch vs. Gore, that Lolo, along with a friend of the show, Billy Dixon, are going to be uh, booking which is completely unheard of for a promoter to turn over uh, his book to like to other people, especially one that is a 
a wrestler in the locker room and another who like is very still very very young in the business like Lolo. So right off the bat, Mr. Gator, the promoter um, and other co-founder of Primetime Pro Wrestling, should be commended for that for having the foresight there. But we get into a conversation about what went into that decision and um, the show itself, and then you know Lolo, like anybody in our community here, like there's a lot of feelings <laughs> about the the field that they work in, um, and a lot of feelings about where the uh, the state of acceptance is for pro re- for for the queer community within pro wrestling at the moment. Um, it's a really interesting, awesome conversation. And I'm very happy to be able to share it with you here as a little post-Christmas treat. And of course, it's also like it's right in the middle of Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, so there's a treat for it's a treat for all that celebrate. So with that, everybody grab your homemade whipped cream, your vanilla ice cream, whatever you put on top of your pie. Carve out a slice, sit down, and get ready. Let's jump into this conversation with Lolo McGrath. All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Um, this week, we have an awesome guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while now, ever since I uh, first, first, I guess, when I first came on my radar whenever I spoke with Billy Dixon earlier on the show, um, but their association with Primetime Pro Wrestling out of D.C., um, really threw them on my radar, and then of course the the recent reveal of their uh, Butch versus Gore show, which is slated to showcase a lot of uh, queer pro wrestling talent coming up on March seventh. Um, that really boosted up the interest, and in, in we wanted to have them on um, and discuss that show among other things um, in terms of pro wrestling with them, but. At this time, I would like to welcome Primetime Pro Wrestling's chief brand officer and co-founder and one of the producers of that Butch versus Gore show on March 7th, uh, one Lolo McGrath. How are you doing tonight, Lolo? Brian, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, it's been really cool seeing a lot of both the uh, the written coverage that you've been able to do of, of queer people in wrestling and also having the podcast as just an, an added bonus. No, I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm <laughs> you, terrible you, you at taking compliments. <laughs> no, um, no, like I, I think that you know, uh, over the past couple of years, we've seen queer pro wrestling rise in profile a lot. And I think that, you know, I know I'm not the only one covering it, but the more people we have covering it and the more people we have like promoting those voices within it, I think the much better off the industry is going to be. So, you know, I'm just glad that I can provide a platform for, for people like you and, and Billy and all the other great guests that I've had on the show so far to just be able to tell their story and their experiences within the industry. So, yeah. I really, um, and I appreciate that too, because I, as I understand it, because I, I typically only read out sports right now in terms of wrestling coverage, but um, as a website, you guys cover pretty much everything. So it's really, really neat um, having this kind of, this voice and this representation, not just in a, hey, we are specifically queer wrestling bloggers. This is all we talk about. Um, it's really cool to see all these people elevated to, um, you know, the other the other sporting world, the uh, the, <laughs> the shoot world, if you will. So yes, no, I 
honestly, I can't commend like Don, Sid, and Jim, like the people at Outsports that have given me the, the chance to do that there. And... Oh, take the compliment. We are we're all we are all getting over in 2020. That's my that's my mantra. That's what I tell everybody. All the good people are getting over. So you're Damn you're, you're coming right. too. Oh, I appreciate that. I will gladly get on that train. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, main reason, obviously, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about Primetime Pro Wrestling, um, which you know is still a relatively new independent promotion based out of DC that, that you've been involved with, along with um, Mr. Gator, who mm-hmm. I did have the chance to finally see it, to see in person at the Action Wrestling Show down here in Atlanta um, while I'm on my working vacation. Um, so. I'm curious, um, before we get into kind of like your, um, how you came to pro wrestling overall, like how did you get involved with, with primetime in the beginning? So, um, the, the DC metro area, we, and in DC, a lot of people call it the DMV that seems to confuse the larger world. So we started calling it the grapital region because puns are fantastic. Um, so DC had some pro wrestling in its in its immediate area for a number of years, but it had been a really long time since a a fully licensed permanent you know permanent nothing's ever guaranteed, but we'll say for whatever reason permanent uh, kind of of professional wrestling promotion hadn't really been a a presence in DC for a really really long time, and so. You know, when there was an absence in in the wrestling scene of, you know, after after we we didn't have Nova around anymore, um, the the time to strike seemed seemed absolutely perfect. And I'd struck up a really great friendship with with Mr. Gator, and it, it's really it's so funny that we are in constant contact. We work so closely together now because, um, you know, to to jump into a venture like starting a wrestling promotion, especially in Washington D.C., where the barrier of entry is just so fucking high, um, you're really you're you're jumping off a cliff with a complete stranger and and holding their hand and really hoping for the best. So, um, you know, I don't I don't really know what I think of of fate or any of that stuff, but I I know I'm really really lucky that Gator and I had each other in that moment. Um, I come from a, a fine stock of Washington, D.C. bartenders. So uh, D.C. is a really, for better or for worse, a, an absolutely huge drinking town. Um, there's a lot of really great distilleries and breweries. And um, I, I'm really lucky to be good friends with the people who own D.C. Brow. Um, and they're, they're probably the biggest. By probably, I mean their, their distribution goes pretty damn far for what they do um brewery in the district and it was a perfect space for it so you know we had the we had the expertise of someone who had been in the industry for a long time on gator's end we had me coming from more of a um an event events management and uh public relations kind of kind of field in in being in bar management and then we had dc brow which just seemed like such a sin so synonymous with dc by that point that if you've got a big enough room and you can pack people in it and you've got a company like Brow that believes in you, you've just got to go for it. And that's exactly what we did. So um, we ran four shows in our 2019 season with eight announced for, uh, for 2020, but you know, who, who knows what else we're going to throw at you. Mm. Well, I know like your first event in 2020 already like threw me for a good giggle with just the name. over. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I do. I'm very thankful that you got a kick out of the fact that I said the entire name when I had Billy on. <laughs> I that's a, it's it's a problem. I can't tell you the name of it unless it's directly in front of me. Because yeah, when Gator and I were were coming up with it, we just kept on adding words. Brian, do you have it in front of you by any I chance? I do. I have it right Great. here. I'll, I'll let you do the honors. <laughs> Definitely. So on January 18th. Y'all are going to be having the first annual Invitational Grand Prix Tournament of Tournaments Classic International. That's a lot of words to uh, is, yes. for, for, <laughs> for what will be a very big event. Um, and I, yeah, I'm really, really excited about that event because we have we have a a singles tournament, and then we also have the tag team championship, the uh, the final that day. Um, and something that's been really at the forefront of our mission with primetime pro wrestling has been putting not just the DC area, but Washington DC itself really, really on the map. And so, you know, that's why last week we sent, we sent representatives, we sent Isaiah Frazier, we sent Bro Keller down to, to action. Um, I know that we had O'Shea Edwards, who's our current champion in, in Atlanta last weekend too. Um, And, you know, we just, we're we're feeling kind of like the little engine that could right now and and with all this good momentum it it just seemed like a good time to have a huge invitational tournament of just a lot of not only local favorites but national favorites as well yeah it definitely seems like primetime is getting a lot of momentum going into the new year um you know I I did not realize that O'Shea was y'all's champion but anybody that has not seen O'Shea Edwards uh, that dude is legit that dude is awesome to see. That was my first time seeing him live um, at the action show and did not disappoint. Did lived up to everything that I've seen from him so far. Uh, O'Shea is a blowhard, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't like the kind of havoc that he wreaks with, with our own promotion, but as long as he's going elsewhere and stomping around, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Yes. We, I, yeah, I, we have, we, we've, we have a very good symbiotic relationship. <laughs> no, that's that's rad to hear. Um, one more thing before we move off of the off of that event, uh, the mm-hmm. IGPTTCI, and to get the acronym acronym in there as well. Um, okay, I asked Billy this: What is a Capital Heights match? Ooh, um, <laughs> a Capital Heights match is what happens when you need to move away from your brewery for a show and go to a recreation center that has high enough ceilings to be able to have the Capital Heights match. Um, it's it's just this man. It is it's this massive structure. I have not seen it in person yet. Um, I've seen video of what it provides, but it gives you it gives you all of the height of having a balcony without needing a balcony um so yeah billy's gonna he's he's gonna be doing some climbing theoretically well i have no idea what what he he and bobby have up their sleeves but if anything so far they're gonna show us something really entertaining oh i have no doubt about that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's uh bobby orlando is his tag team partner from uh from new york so he's been a he's been a real treat at, at prime time Oh, that's rad to hear. Um, so stepping back from prime time a little bit here, let's uh, let's kind of get back to like your beginnings, like getting into pro wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. Around around what time in your life did you start like realizing what pro wrestling was and like starting getting into the fandom of it all? Ooh, so if you would ask me this, if if or not ask me, but if you told me two years ago 
that I would be doing this interview, I would have been like, what the fuck is a pro wrestling? Like, I shit you not. People people never believe this, but um, I had never in my life seen a wrestling match until and somebody I, I had dated a few years ago made me watch an episode of SmackDown. Um, and, you know, up in, up until that point, like, so my, my father was a high school wrestler and always had a lot of shit to talk about what pro wrestling was. Um, and just, it, it wasn't something that I grew up with any kind of exposure to at all, other than like, I don't know, whoever had a reality show on VH1 at the time, I guess it was Hulk Hogan, but, um, yeah. So when people talk about, you know, they're like, oh yeah, tell me like your favorite classic wrestling something. I'm like, I don't have that. Um, I'm super, super new to, to the wrestling world. Um, and you know, I, I enjoy watching the more, the larger corporate promotions and I really dove headfirst into the indies, but, um, no, what, what I was bringing into primetime was, was being able to make more community connections. Cause you know, working as a bartender in DC, you really, you get to know your neighborhood and your city a lot better than, than a, even a lot of transfers who come into the city who are there for, for a decade and don't really invest in their neighborhoods the same way. So um, I, I came from not a, a promoting sense in terms of wrestling promoting, but in terms of just promoting any events in the area, that was my background and that's what I wanted to bring to the table. And so I, I think that the, the distance I've gone now should be a testament to folks who don't have any kind of experience in the pro wrestling world that if this is something that you really would like to get involved with, then just hit the ground running and really go for it. Cause there's, we're at a time right now where I feel like there's so much opportunity. Um, and if there's not opportunity, then hopefully you can kind of luck out like I did and find the right people and you can create that opportunity. It's interesting to hear that, that you're like still relatively like new to the industry in that way. <laughs> just because not necessarily yeah. because like you're not doing great work, but just because like I've noticed a trend like in through the throughout doing the show that like there are a good amount of people that you know there are obviously there are the diehards, the people that have like been fans for like you know 10, 20 years mm-hmm. that, I've, that I've spoken to. But then there's a lot of people, especially um on within the the queer community, that really haven't like found their place in pro wrestling until the last like couple of years and you know a lot of people have pointed to like the golden lover storyline as a good entry point for p for for themselves and for others i actually know know that one yes (laughs) (laughs) i think i think that's a prerequisite for any queer wrestling fan at this point but (laughs) um but I'm just curious, like, so you saw the episode of SmackDown. And yeah, then... and I guess I should follow follow up because, you know, the WWE product uh, is is what it is. Um, yeah. I, God, I re- honestly, I think that the first match I saw, it was, it was, or not even match, but it was Jinder Mahal cutting a promo. And so, like, my very, very, very first impression of wrestling is him being like, all right, I'm going to address the crowd in my native tongue and all these people just like, like fuck <laughs> you, fuck you, I hate this. Um, and so that was that was jarring, but un- unfortunately, eh, big cringe here, kind of expected. Um, but it was, it was Sasha Banks after that who I was like, oh, oh, you have... I don't remember what color her hair was at the time. I think it was purple, but I was just like, Oh, you look, you look so cool. Um, you, you don't 
look anything like I expected a professional wrestler to look like, which is just uh, very, very, very blonde. No <laughs> offense to blondes, love blondes, but you know that that's what I had in my head um, was one very specific type of woman woman wrestler. And so to see Sasha Banks, I'm like, oh, she seems kind of cool. And then <laughs> I guess this tells you what kind of kid I queer kid I was in college when the person I was dating at the time was like, oh, well, she has a Tumblr. And for some reason, Sasha Banks having a Tumblr was my like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. I get it now. Like, rest. Awesome. Fucking fantastic. Um, and so I, I really, for like three weeks, I really attached myself to Sasha Banks, like immediately. But um, no, it was that, it was a pretty lackluster whatever episode of, of SmackDown. But I think it might have been leading into... I couldn't tell you which pay-per-view it was at the time, but it was leading into something something bigger. And so I had something to look forward to after enjoying two hours of television. Um, and the the rest, they say, is history. I got I started attending indie shows about six months after that. Um, and then started, I, I worked locally a few times as a ring announcer because if I'm very loud and I'm even louder with a microphone. And... Um, yeah, so and and that was that was me just asking for opportunities and really putting myself out there immediately. So, you know, I'll reiterate a point I made a few minutes ago that you you've kind of just got to go for it in this industry. There's not a lot of people who are waiting around to give anybody an opportunity. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You definitely have to like carve out your own niche or your own path there to, to absolutely get that foot in the door so what was your uh, what was your first indie that you went to or and like which one did you kind of latch on to um as you started exploring the indies so the the easiest one for me to attend at the time because there was flying v didn't exist yet um there wasn't anything else, or i could go up to baltimore but i didn't have a, a car with, was nova pro because it was closest to dc and um you know they they were running shows in northern virginia which meant i was having to put together a carpool of like four people leaving the city to go out to wherever i was going which would be like you know altogether a 45 minute drive one way so another big priority with starting primetime pro was was just being being like, okay, if we want people to come to shows, we need to make it way more local than anybody else has done up until this point. And so that's that that's exactly what we did. Hmm. Now I, I think like the local indie like is always a good way to kind of like take that next step in a lot of ways. Like I know, you know, growing up for myself, like in South Georgia, like there really wasn't that per se. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, it was also during like the WCW time where they would run house shows like 40 minutes from my house. So like I could pull you had that it right thing. there. Yeah, it was rad. So like that's really awesome to hear though that that you at least, there was at least something around you that that could like. Yeah, help. there was something, and um, a lot of a lot of folks who who worked for the company when it was around were incredibly entertaining, phenomenal in in every way, and so that's you know when when we started booking out shows for for prime time. If you were someone who came from Nova as a Nova fan, there are definitely a lot of familiar faces that made people feel like, hey, all right, so we, we can really have a scene in in this area because if people were willing to schlep all the way out to Northern Virginia and the people who live in Northern Virginia being able to do the reverse and come out to D.C., then we've got something special. So, yeah, no, that that's they really were kind of the roots of the, the indie wrestling community in the area. And I've met 
amazing people through it. Oh, that's rad to hear. <laughs> um, so I would say, well, let's see, let's take it back to the beginning a little bit more also. Um, so you already like identified as queer um, around the time that you started watching wrestling, correct? Definitely. Um, okay. But I didn't, I didn't come out as, or even, you know, let's be honest, uh, the entire non-binary part of the trans spectrum is, can be can be pretty complicated for people to figure out just because there is no binary, there is no right or wrong answer. Um, and so I, I didn't really figure out that I was non-binary until after I'd started wrestling. And I certainly didn't really come out until I had this wrestling community. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. To be honest, I have no idea how far along in my in my, my personal transition and how much progress I would have made without wrestling being this, this kind of outlet to, to really kind of reinvent myself in a lot of ways. Cause I'd spent the four years prior, my, a lot of my identity was just being like, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, just like a big titty bartender, <laughs> <laughs> just like really super femme. Um, you know, I I'd really questioned a lot through college. I had a few a few haircuts that I was like, ooh, I feel kind of gender weird and I don't know if I like this feeling right now prior to that. But, you know, my my persona in DC, because wrestling and bartending are so, so fucking similar to each other, um, was was being this this very specific kind of really exuberant bartender person. And so, you know, I moved to I I I run the, the company remotely from Chicago alongside Gator, who's still in the DC area. Cause I moved to Chicago um, about six months ago. Um, yeah, no, this, it was such an opportunity to really have this, this version of myself that felt truer than anything previously. Um, it was like the wrestling was, it was the perfect stage to kind of debut that on. Um, and yeah, again, I know I, I just said it, but I have no idea where I would be in my progress if I didn't have have this wrestling community and this industry to work in. No, that that's honestly really awesome to hear that because, um, you know, you never know what that, that first experience is going to be like entering um, an industry like pro wrestling that has for so long held this kind of like stigmatized view in some ways of mm -hmm. the, the queer community um if not backstage like definitely in like narrative uh tropes and that sort of thing so yeah absolutely um, um i really didn't i would have never had any idea growing up that this would be the community that would really give me permission to be who i'm supposed to be yeah no i'm, I'm i just i can't say it enough like I, i'm really glad that that gave me that avenue because <laughs> instead like, of I think, being like all right closet yourself holy shit these people are monsters oh my god no. yes definitely <laughs> because, because it, like, it could go in that direction i'm sure very easily like it that's that, that's always the fear in any like public sphere like that but you know like pro wrestling has a certain pageantry to it it has a certain affect to it that definitely allows for that reinvention of oneself even if it's just in front of a crowd as opposed to like a full-on you know transformation which obviously that definitely catered to you like going through a transition like that um so yeah it's awesome to hear that that translated in that way because you don't you don't hear a ton of stories like that no no i got i got um i got pretty lucky and i think it really is a, a testament to my hyper local wrestling community because holy shit there are a lot of 
a lot of really good people who have my back. And I don't know that I've ever had that in the same way before in my entire life. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Cause I was actually about to, I was going to ask like, you know, I, cause I, I think I was familiar that you had, I think I'd read somewhere on Twitter that you had mentioned that, that you had started transitioning after you had entered wrestling. And, you know, I'm always curious. Well, I guess curious might not be the right word, but I'm always con like concerned about like, you know, people that are going through those sort of um, like personal transformations in an industry that, you know, does have, can have those predilections at times. Um, so did you ever experience any kind of um, like, like setbacks or any, or anybody like just not being as accepting as you might like? Um, You know, so that's the, tricky thing that's this moment i think we're having in wrestling right now that i find really frustrating is that i think that the community has done a really good job of cutting out overt bigotry but the it's the covert bigotry that i think is a much bigger problem that ends up creating kind of a perfect storm where you get people saying really shitty terrible things um and i, I guess what i mean by that is has anybody ever outright harassed me or given me trouble i mean maybe like a handful of a few people on twitter but nobody who i consider part of the yikes like relevant wrestling community you know mm. anybody with like 34 followers and whatever as their avatar and no real character as to who they are on their profile like you you, you don't count sorry um <laughs> you don't like you Whatever they say, I really don't, I, I, they don't put that in the, I take offense to a pile. Um, but there's so much trickiness as a non-binary person. And, you know, I feel like I, I do have to say, I can't speak for all non-binary people in my experience. Um, Cause we're not a monolith, but geez, also people in terms of working within the, the industry, I feel like there's, you can count on two hands the amount of people who are really out um, in the way that, that me and, and some of my, my colleagues are. Um, it's a tricky situation to navigate having a lot of people in wrestling media, content creators who really push uh, women's wrestling. Um, well, one, like that's, it's extremely important to have people who are covering women's wrestling, but it does kind of create this kind of weird thing sometimes where I'm like, all right, um, someone tagged me saying that I should be interviewed or talked to insert podcast or whatever here. They say that they cover women's wrestling. You don't, you don't really know if you're heading into weird territory. You don't know if, if the folks who are running it are supportive of trans people or, um, or are okay with with folks who are non-binary, um, there's not a lot of guarantees. So while, no, I haven't faced any kind of over obvious, obvious issues, but I don't think that the community at large has been particularly welcoming either. Hmm. I know that like, right, we could, we could launch into so many much bigger topics in regards to that one kind of thing but um yeah it makes it, it it makes it a pretty a pretty tricky situation sometimes for sure no i mean i i definitely can see that you know i i've been guilty of it myself i know whenever i talked to sophie king earlier on in the show mm -hmm. um you know like we were talking about intergender wrestling and and the rise of that on the indie scene and you know i hadn't even thought about like of course a non-binary person every match is intergender. it's all yeah exactly. yeah like, I, 
I just had never thought about that because it's just not my experience, you know? So like even small things like that, just kind of realizing how you talk about certain things whenever you are speaking to people uh, that have a different gender identity um, that's not on the binary, you know? Like, I think that goes a long way in terms of making people that I that identify as non-binary comfortable within that space. No, because, yeah, like I said, there's there are no guarantees. But, um, you know, I, I know that as as queer people, especially those of us who are getting elevated to a, a higher status in the indie wrestling community, um, everything really is supposed to be sunshine and rainbows and we're doing fucking great and we're so powerful. But I I really don't think that there are very many people at all who are creating welcoming spaces for non-binary people. Um, and I, I hate that that's a reality, but it's true. I think that folks who consider themselves themselves to be allies could do more to be a little bit more explicit with their support. Do you think that's um, like more an issue of like a lack of education about non the non-binary identity, or like just like in maybe not an active, but like maybe like a subconscious desire of just to be like have that culture of pat yourself on the back like we're doing so much better now that you're just not that there's not paying attention to that sort of thing yeah i think it's hard to be conscientious of of a gender identity that's kind of founded on the idea that that gender may or may not exist um allyship can be really tricky for people i think that a lot of folks are afraid to ask questions which um i'm an open book i'm like if there's something that you need to know or you're interested in just you can tweet me, you can send me a DM, which is always open. Like I'll, I'll tell you whatever, but um, so yeah, I absolutely think that there, there's a lack of education. You know, it's being non-binary is so brand new to the, to the public sphere in, in general. So of course it's going to be even trickier when you whittle it down to just the professional wrestling world. But um, I don't know. I, there were so many ways that I didn't realize, like when I was living my life very, very publicly as a woman, I didn't really realize how um, tricky cis women can be sometimes um, in terms of like, you know, we're all kind of looking for a, a piece of the pie here. Um, and I think that white feminism has done a really good job of, of making white feminists be like, all right, I've got my piece of the pie and I'm fucking good. You know, if anybody else needs pie, they can figure it out, but I'm not passing it to the back of the line or anything. Um, so, yeah, I do think that, unfortunately, a lot of people, what cis women in particular, their their allyship really does start and stop with with cis white women, um, unfortunately. So I think that's that's something else, you know, unintended bigotry from people who might think of themselves as, as very, very liberal. Um but, you know, I think that there's a, a third element to this, which is, you know, when I watch, we have Still Life with Apricots and, uh, Apricots and Pears on our roster, who I absolutely adore. Mm. Um, you know, Sophie King is really doing some badass shit in the Midwest. I think that there's this expectation that they look at, in, and, I'm, and I'm a very big loudmouth. So, you know, I think that <laughs> a lot of the public will look at someone like me or look at someone like Sophie or someone like Still Life and think like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're all just like loud and badass and they can fend for themselves, but man, like the internet is fucking exhausting. So, 
you know, if, if yeah. someone is, is being a dick, whether it's to me or speaking in any kind of way about non-binary people in wrestling, I would really hope that folks, I, I mean, you've, you've got at least my personal seal of approval to just tear into who the fuck ever. <laughs> well, I, Seriously. I, I appreciate that. Because <laughs> sometimes I log in, I read things and I'm like, all right, I'm logging off for... I say the rest of the day, but what I really mean is like 15 minutes until I want to get upset about something else. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, that's, I mean, I can only imagine how exhausting that can be. Like, I know, like, just from, like, my perspective, like, as, as a an out by male, like, yeah, that can get frustrating at times. But I definitely don't face as much of that, you know, as as the non-binary community does. And and I know that a lot of people, like you said, that they point to people like Still Life and and uh, and um, Sophie King and yourself even, you know, as being like these loudmouth NB by that uh, badasses on the scene. But like that doesn't mean that every person who identifies as non-binary are going to have the same like predilections or the same mm-hmm. confidence to put themselves out there. And like having y'all like, on the wrestling scene like really does help get lend that representation to that community and and helps them i guess maybe feel more confident if they do want to enter into the industry whether it's just as a fan or as like working in it as well like you need those voices there and it sucks that so many people want to like tear that down in a lot of ways yeah i i I think that there are definitely folks who might consider themselves pretty progressive who I can imagine might see non-binary people as kind of a threat to their own privilege status. Mm. Um, you know, again, I'll go back to my piece of the pie analogy here. Like everyone's just scrambling for their piece. So, you know, all of a sudden, Oh, Oh fuck. I only learned two or three years ago that non-binary people exist. Now I have to worry about their pie too. Like, Oh my God, we already have, too many people all going for this one proverbial shitty pie. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. So it's, it's, you know, we're talking about this like proverbial, like shitty pie that we're all trying to grab a piece <laughs> of. And that's sticking with the, in the lexicon now for me. Um, <laughs> just make more, like, why don't we just make more pie anyways? <laughs> well, yes, definitely. That's definitely a one like <laughs> option that we have to just keep turning it out, you know, yeah. but but like i guess why do, why do you think obviously there are plenty of like marginalized communities that have been trying to like grab that piece for a long time in the industry and you know the last four, like, four to five years like you've seen pe- these people be able to grab more of it um and and that's all great like that's that's amazing to see that you know their women's wrestling is being showcased the way it is you know oh, yeah. um people wrestlers of color are reaching higher places um yes. in many many in many many areas and then you know the rise of queer pro wrestling as well but why what do you think is like factoring into like that need that some people may feel to not relinquish any part of what they've claimed for themselves to like other marginalized communities? Um, I mean, I don't know. Let's pan the camera out a little bit and just <laughs> talk about the scene in general. You know, who's, I'm, I'm down. who's running it, <laughs> you know, who's yep. running it. It's the people who have owned the fucking bakery, you know, like, <laughs> Man, yep. we're really, I'm going crazy with these metaphors. You can tell I spent like <laughs> two weeks as an English major before I changed it again. Um, <laughs> I, 
yeah no so like the fucking pie shop bakery owners are the ones who have been giving us pie for so long that of course it's a little bit competitive but um i you know i can i can theorize all day but i think that anything that i say um could probably just apply to the united states at large you know um there are definitely similarities. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're we're this we're this little micro society, but so much of what we do, um, you you can see reflected in 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 the world at large. But um, no, I also think that, unfortunately, oh man, all right, this is the this is like the one that's going to get me in trouble. I think that so many progressive and especially queer wrestling fans have really, really low standards. Um, really fucking low standards. I, I feel like I exist in this constant state of shock of like, wait a minute, this is what is considered like a progressive power move. You know, I, I remember at the, the Rise um, Pride show last year, Effie with his shoot promo talking about all of these companies that will change their logo to a rainbow for the month of June. And then it's just back to business as usual. Um, you know, these, a lot of companies are willing to throw a few crumbs and that, that seems to be enough. Um, so I, I guess I'll circle back to a larger, the a point I made earlier about the, the covert versus the, the overt. So, you know, um, and we'll, we'll look back a few weeks ago, Jim Cornette being Jim Cornette and saying something fucking stupid and terrible and racist as a commentator. Um, you know, the amount of people who are like, oh, well, look at me like this. This is I've been doing commentary for this this many years and I've never said anything terrible and racist like that or this company. All this indie that I work for has never said anything like that. You know, our what we consider to be racist can't just be like, did someone say the n-word? You know, yeah. um, <laughs> like I I look at when whenever a show gets announced by any of the indies that I follow, whether I enjoy the indie or not, um, I look at what city they're from. I I take a look at the kinds of of the demographics who are coming out to their shows and i really wonder sometimes like is your booking is your booking a reflection of the city that you're trying to represent here or is it a reflection of what you are personally enjoying as a booker because i can tell you and you know i jesus i i know that the that we always want to name names here but i feel like this is all such a blanket statement that <laughs> I can't you can't even like specifically call companies out because I do feel like this is such a norm to be like, yeah, no, we have um, we, we've got women's wrestling on our card. Oh, OK, cool. How many matches? Well, uh, well, we've got actually one woman and it's an intergender match. Cool. Great. Is, is that really what fans are considering to be progressive? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, any. I, I look at people's posters when they come out and I really do look hard and think like, okay, you have what I call a white meat market. You have a bunch of technically apt white dudes on a poster who are all going to fight each other. Great. I hope everybody has a really good time, but I cannot reach into my wallet to buy a ticket for that show. Um, Cause I, I feel like I, I would be a hypocrite to do that. Um, and so, yeah, when I, when I look at, at the United States, the national wrestling scene, and I look at all of these people who I've, 
I've been able to to follow and and watch their work through through Twitter and social media, and I see. I see what, what companies are getting some of the biggest spotlights put on them. And I think this, this really doesn't seem to represent the, the wrestling community that, it, that at least I know. And I think the wrestling community that's going to be able to pull all of us together into whatever century we are in now. Cause you know, so far I just, I don't see that reflected in the larger indie scene and it's, it's pretty fucking disappointing. I don't want to, I live in Chicago now. I have a lot of really great, promotions around me but you know if I want to go explore promotions in neighboring states that I haven't had the opportunity to see until now I'm not going to go on a fucking eight hour car drive for one woman's match on a card sorry (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah um you're gonna have to give me more than that because my time is too valuable to be supporting any company who I don't think is is best representing us and, and growing growing our community in the in the national spotlight anyways <laughs> <laughs> no i mean they're all, all valid points you know i think you know it's oddly enough it's something that you know myself and my partner have kind of experienced firsthand with our local indie you know as much as we like going to like doa shows and here in portland um like there was a, a thing where the one the last event we went to there was like one woman's match scheduled and then one of the women got hurt and so they replaced her with a man and had an intergender match instead and you know my partner who has really been like trying to get behind uh women's pro wrestling um was super disappointed to see that because like whatever it's it's like do not do you really not fucking know another woman that you can call upon to have this women's match because I, I know that this happens in other promotions. I know this for a fact that there will be instances in in which a woman has gotten injured. And if, if you don't, if you can't pull out your phone as a promoter or a booker and have a list of people that you know that you can count on who aren't all dudes, <laughs> you, you've got yourself a bit of an issue. You're, you, you've got a bit of a pickle because... You know, I, I know for a fact that anytime that's happened with us, thank God Gator has just been able to call upon any number of incredibly talented people who are more than happy to fill that spot who are not dudes. <laughs> Do you think like being a, a queer person that's in like a place of leadership within uh, an independent company um do you think that maybe what really could like start sparking that change would be like more queer leadership on the indie scene? Bring in more queer leadership and just give more people in general opportunities with, with mm-hmm. promotions. Um, you know, like we, we were, we were talking about earlier, I came in with zero professional wrestling industry experience at all. I had done ring announcing for a few shows and that was it. So great. I can announce people's heights, weights, and names. That's not, that's, that's not a great pedigree. What I was able to bring to the table was, was awareness of how to promote events in Washington, DC and how to deal with the press. And, you know, I'm not even going to humble brag. I'm just going to brag brag. Like we got an article in NPR. We had a whole radio spot and, and it was posted on to all of their national social media. Um, not just our local affiliate because we don't want to keep pro wrestling our fun little niche secret. We want everybody to have the opportunity to see this kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really proud of what I've been able to accomplish locally and stuff that's been able to grow 
nationally. Thank you, NPR. But, um, you know, and I was able to do that, not because of a wrestling experience, but because of every other experience and in, in other entertainment other entertainment industries that I'd been able to bring to the table. So please take chances on people who don't have a wrestling resume, because I promise there are so many cool ideas that if you were so in your head as a wrestling promoter that you were never, ever going to be able to think of until you get that extra perspective and you're willing to go, okay, you know what, maybe this, this standard network of whatever that I've been using isn't 100% effective. Who else can I bring in who might have something else to offer? So take a fucking chance seriously no i'm i'm right there with you like i think that you know pro wrestling for the longest time has been sort of a cultural touchstone and not just in this country but in, in many other countries as well um and you know the more stories that you're able to tell that, with different perspectives that can help like enlighten the people that are seeing that like to to kind of learn more about different communities and and different types of people like the the better it can be um you know i think i think the two big examples that are happening down in tampa like look at like effie's big gay brunch and the for the culture show that gcw is running with the collective like like that's like those <laughs> my two god shows. those are the shows that are yes. on everybody's to-do list and the fact that there is anyone out there who's like you know i don't know if i want to book x queer talent or ex-black talent because i don't know if they'll be able to pull in tickets go fuck yourself these shows are going to be great you're a fucking moron jeez i could not have said oh. it better myself <laughs> like literally like effie announcing that razor ramon hard gay is going to be at his show almost broke twitter like <laughs> and that's crazy to think because i that would never have happened like three years ago like a show like effie's big gay brunch might not have happened three three years ago you know no like, no and you know bless his heart he brings in that brunch crowd like that is a French people are loyal people. I will tell you that. So Very. <laughs> again, you know, if you're catering to specific communities, all you're, it, you're not narrowing anything down. You're just opening up more opportunities for other people. Exactly. And that's something that primetime pro wrestling is doing with their Butch versus Gore show um, coming up in March. That yes, I am DC Brow. Yes. I am super excited for this show, by the way. I know like Billy, Billy hinted at it whenever we when we chatted, but like I'm really interested in getting like details about this thing and like just kind of hearing how it came about. Um, and I know that the first huge thing, um, whenever the show was coming about, was that Mr. Gator, who you know run basically runs books primetime pro wrestling, um, was had the the foresight to kind of step away from this one and kind of hand over the reins to you and Billy. And I'm wondering yeah. like, how did, how did that come about? Um, and, and what did that mean to, to you um, whenever Gator was willing to do that? It knowing what I know now about how the wrestling world tends to book. I mean, that this doesn't happen. You know that like most people listening, if they don't know that they should know that, Promoters do not turn their books over to anybody under any fucking circumstances. That's a big no-no. Yeah. Much less to say, oh, there is a wrestler on my roster, in this instance, Billy Dixon, who, you know, you you are a, a fantastic roster member. You're a great wrestler. But I'm going to let you have every single peek behind the scenes that you could ever ask for and still be in my locker room as a worker. Um, that takes a pretty incredible amount of trust um and 
I don't, Jesus. Like, I was like, I, I, I'm flattered and I also don't know what you're thinking, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, he, and he, we just, we just started throwing all of these ideas at him and he's like, you know what? This is your show. I want this to be for your community and I want it to be by your community because, you know, how many pride shows do we see from companies who aren't necessarily booking queer talent year round? Um, you know, that's the, I changed my logo and, and we're back to business as, as usual for, for a lot of folks, but it really meant the world to me, especially as someone who's just like, you know, I, I'm not the booker. <laughs> I'm not the booker. I'm not a matchmaker. I can come up with, with, with stories and tell really good stories collaboratively, but, um, no, none of that's my forte and to have the opportunity to be able to say, all right, these are all of the lessons and all of the tricks of the trade that Gator has shown me for the last year. And to be able to really show that off is, is really incredible. Um, and to be able to, to work side by side with Billy, who, you know, I became a Billy fan while he and Effie had their feud before Mania last year, because I was just like, the, the story that they're telling right now is a real story. It's a story that we see played out not only, in, you know, just in, in our limited queer communities, but in every major metropolitan area with, um, with, with, with displacement rates, um, with, you know, people coming, coming in and, and I, as someone who has gentrified myself, you know, it's something I also need to take responsibility for, but, you know, the conflict between Billy and Effie, I feel, I feel like told such a, a massive story that I would never even dare to tell myself because I don't think I have the right words for it. They did. They did a fantastic job. Um, and anyways, that's just my Billy love for the night, I guess. Hey, Billy. <laughs> we all have <laughs> I, Billy it was, here. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was so incredible and so inspiring to see them really put everything into it that um, I knew that once we started as a company, I was just like, I want Billy. I want Billy to come wrestle. I want Billy to come wrestle. And then the more I watched from him and the more that I got to know him and I saw how fucking brilliant his wrestling mind was, I was just like, all right, well, you know, thanks for the reins, Gator, but I need some help. And no offense to you, Gator, but I think asking Gator would go against the entire spirit of the thing. So I said, can I, can I bring it on, on, on Billy to do all of the booking? Not all of it, but you know, I, I, he's the booker for this show. He's really got an incredible wrestling mind. Um, can we bring in Billy? And he didn't even hesitate. He's just like, yeah, you guys do exactly what you need to do. I'll clear it. I'll write the check. We're good to go. Um, so no, it's been this, it's, it's pretty fucking magical. (laughs) (laughs) These are, these are my rainbows and ponies and unicorns, you know? Yes. I mean, there's no better time to have that whenever you're able to, you're given control to book book your own queer wrestling show in that way, um, especially one that is going to showcase, from what I understand, a ton of queer talent, both well known and not well known. Um, yeah, we haven't made any announcements yet, um, yeah. so so you're not getting too lucky tonight. But, That's okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. I will eagerly await with the rest of the audience. <laughs> But, um, you know, something that's important, too, is I got so many of my ideas about when I wanted to run the show and how I wanted to run it uh, from that that promo that Effie cut in terms of, of calling out the people who only did stuff during June. So, you know, the first step in that was saying, all right, well, fuck it. Let's do it in March. 
<laughs> we're having our pride show in March. We're doing it before everybody else. It's going to be great. It'll come out of nowhere. It's going to be fantastic. But, um, you know, like I also don't shy away from the fact that I don't go around calling primetime pro wrestling a queer wrestling promotion. Um, we showcase a lot of different people, some who are allies and some who are queer. Um, we, we don't, I don't, I don't fuck with bigots. So sorry. Yeah. I, I, I make the joke, but it's not really a joke in the locker room. I'm like, I check social media for things. Um, yeah. Cause I take the brand very seriously, but, um, you know, it's, it's not a promotion that is outright. We are a queer promotion, but we book heavily queer. We, all of our, our titles are intergender. All titles will always be intergender. We don't, we don't, do any kind of segregating by gender in our booking at all. Um, and so that's a real gift. So, you know, I, and I think that's important too, because as much as I really, really enjoy watching more exclusively women's wrestling promotions or exclusively queer wrestling promotions, I really enjoy those a lot. Um, you know, we're also trying to showcase a lot of people who are underrepresented to the mainstream wrestling scene. And so, yeah, we, we do a lot as a promotion that is very much, along the lines of what a mainstream wrestling promotion is, but you know, that's all with the intent of showcasing a little bit of everybody. And, you know, in the case of March 7th, a lot of somebody. <laughs> yeah. I have to say like, it's, it's rad that y'all are doing it in March because I, like you, like you said, so many promotions are willing to do that whenever it caters best. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's almost as if you're, like just we're rolling planting. the dice here yeah i mean you're playing that we flag really in the ground. rolling the dice <laughs> yeah like we, you're, you're stamping your your statement right there on the front of it um i am curious though how where did the name butch versus gore come from i obviously it's to play on the bush versus the gore. bush years baby yes. hell yeah there you go. Um, yeah lit yeah uh, <laughs> in so many just awful fucking terrible ways um, i we we have this grand tradition at primetime. We just we really like political puns. Um, I have a a personal preference when it comes to, and this is super not this is not meant to be shady in any way, shape, or form. But I really just I don't enjoy how often we see uh, like references in terms of like pop culture, um, mm -hmm. with with a lot of the ways the shows get named. You know, I think that like every once in a while a song reference can be really fun and sometimes it's it's just a lot and we thought you know how do we want to set ourselves apart at prime time well you know we're in washington dc we have to embrace at least some of it so grapital city was our first show um in november we had submission without representation which is a play on the dc license plate which says taxation without representation because dc does not have an a voting congressperson. I hope all of your listeners are already aware of that. If not, they will be. Yes. Um, I will make sure of it. Um, <laughs> and Monument uh, Washington Monumental, like we really wanted to make sure that everything had some kind of DC, not necessarily political, but definite DC stamp of, of something on it. Um, and so we, we were really tossing around a lot of ideas for the show and I think it was, I think Butch versus Gore was my idea, but I also have to say my intern, Tony, comes up with most of these show names, so it also could have been him. Credit where credit is due. Tony is fucking incredible. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I knew I wanted something with, with Butch in it, and it it just, it fit perfectly. So there you go, Butch versus Gore. 
we've, we've got all of our references all wrapped up in a tiny package and it's fun and unique. <laughs> it's very on brand as well for like, <laughs> I, the queer, the queer community loves a good pun. I, I, I um I find that we've we've made our brand to be something that can be very very irreverent in its humor and yes. uh, I enjoy that and and I think it's a very modern way to entertain people and I'm glad that we do it. Yes, no, I, I'm very particular to Grapital City. Like that was a that one's top notch. For Hell me yeah, personally. we'll we'll be running Grapital City every year in May. Rad. So there you go. Awesome. As long as we're around, there will always be a Grap City. Good to hear. Um, so. Focusing more on on the actual like content for Butch versus Gore, obviously like no talent announcements yet. But um, what are you like really hoping to be the takeaway from from this show? Um, we want to bring in a few surprises that you just don't typically see at a wrestling show. Um, mm-hmm. If you and, you know, I'm being extremely vague on purpose here, but if you follow a lot of the bigger queer wrestling personalities, whether or not they wrestle or not, um, you always see a lot of really interesting suggestions made about how to make shows a little bit different and how you can make them appeal to more people. Um, and again, you know, at primetime, most of our audience is already brand new to wrestling. That's something I don't think I've been able to mention yet, but more than half of our audience is this is their very first rodeo at every single show. And it's really, really wonderful. And so I want to do the exact same thing with Butch versus Gore. Um, I'm really, really hoping that we can we can get the DC queer community to turn out for it. Um, hope, hopefully, see some guest appearances from some of their friends who are not wrestling people, who are performers in other ways, um, mm-hmm. being able to come in and and entertain and show us why wrestling is kind of gay. Um, <laughs> real, real gay. And oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, man, it's it's gonna be a fucking treat. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, that it sounds rad. Like I, I think that there's definitely a market for like kind of branching out from just in ring stuff. Obviously, there, there are companies like Uncanny Attractions that are doing awesome stuff with their uh, drags and dropkick series you know yes it's so fucking good i know like showcasing drag performers like in between matches and just like being able to show just how how well those two um communities mesh together you know there's a, a lot of talk about like the comparisons between drag and wrestling and how almost like wrestling is drag in a lot of ways of um, course so, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's a perfect avenue to kind of explore other other ways to uh, ingratiate uh, the queer community into wrestling and also showcase just how much further wrestling can be. Um, how far can we push this thing? Exactly. Always push the boundaries. So, yeah, it and I'm it's it's a big experiment. It's it's a big dice roll. It's I, I'm not going to say. This is the one time I'll be very humble. Like I don't, we're not necessarily revolutionizing anything. Um, yeah, I am taking a lot of inspiration from the New York scene because I think that they are by far the pioneers of the queer wrestling community who have done the the best shit so far and probably will continue to do for for years to come. Um, but in terms of our local and regional scene, this is something that hasn't been done before, and I'm I'm really excited to give it a shot. Yeah, and and the more regional sh- scenes that you can start bringing this sort of attitude towards the industry into, like the better the industry will be as a whole. I think you know, obviously exactly. New York, yeah, New York is the example, but New York can't be everywhere, and so you have to 
bring it bring it to your town exactly yeah so i think that's that's really awesome to see um just what you do bring on march 7th you know and and i want to make this clear to listeners too washington dc is a great town to visit and i will personally give you all the recommendations as to all the really good places to go who you should say hi to what bartenders you need to throw your money at um i <laughs> I miss DC constantly all the time. Um, I'm not a native to DC, but like, damn, if that city really didn't make itself such a home in my heart. Um, I really think that making a trip for a primetime show is, is well worth anybody's time. My, the little time that I've spent in DC was, was pretty rad. So it's an awesome city to have an awesome wrestling event in. And, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for y'all um, with this event coming up on March 7th. Um, but I can't let you out of here without asking about this Haas tournament that I've been hearing. Ah, about. Yes, the, it the, is. The, the William H. Taft Haas <laughs> tournament. Is that what it's called? Uh, well, yeah, the William Howard Taft. Yes. Haas fight okay. Okay. tournament. Yep. Just, just big bodies just being real sweaty and slamming up against each other. And yes. the Haas, it's also going to be intergender. Um, that's something so. that I don't think. I would too, but you know, I think people just assume that that a hoss is is always always a man. Not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am. We have had so many incredible athletes suggested to us, um, and when it comes down to it, I think there are eight spots. Um, it's a. It's it's going to be pretty competitive figuring out who deserves a spot. Um, because again, like people are really excited about this tournament. I'm really excited too because I really like cost fights. Because it's you know again not watch not growing up watching wrestling. It's not a style that I feel like I get to see enough of. Um, but yeah, that's it's gonna be nuts. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> <laughs> that is not my booking. That is that is a Gator show all the way. And I every time he shoots another idea in my direction, I'm just like, ah, oh, top it. You, you're going to go even bigger and even better. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very exciting time for us. No, that, it definitely sounds that way. Like, you know, just keep knocking it out of the park uh, with, with events here. Um, well, Lolo, um, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Um, is there any, uh, any last words that you'd like to say um, on the queer wrestling scene? And then, uh, let us know where people can find you uh, and all your awesome work with primetime on the internet. Yeah. Gosh. No, I think that, I think that as, um, as a queer wrestling community, we can really afford to up our standards. We, we deserve it. And we, we've got to look out for, for other people who aren't necessarily us. Um, You know, I think a, Actually, a good example of this is, you know, wash in, in Washington, D.C., primetime, we were the, the first ones to come in as an established indie that is exclusive to to D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not not long after we we saw Fight Club and that's I think it's it's that's fight with a with a one instead of an I F- Fight Club pop up and they are hosting the, um, the Pan-African World Diaspora world championship title there's a it's a whole lot of letters for a real real big belt um a real (laughs) big belt um and so yeah one of our one of our roster members um actually a few of our roster members um are all competing including Eel O'Neal, Trisha Dora, Mr. Grimm um just some really incredibly talented people um and I think it was 
it's really challenging at first once you're like, all right, we, we did this thing and we were the first to do it in a long time and we're really feeling our oats. Um, yeah, it's challenging to find out that somebody else is coming in, but I, I want to take it back to this pie metaphor too. We don't need to fight over the fucking pie. Um, yeah. <laughs> we really don't need to argue over the pie. Um, and so, you know, some, I, I've ended up making, we, as promotions, we have made really good friends with, with Chris and Johnny who, who run Fight Club and who are running this tournament um, to, show clay, to showcase specifically black wrestlers. Um, and, you know, it's Washington, D.C. for years. It was known, and I think it still should be known, but, you know, the city's changing pretty rapidly as Chocolate City. You absolutely need to have something like that in D.C. Um, and so I'm really excited that we're sharing so many so many roster members and, like, sharing a community ethic, too, because they're... Um, their tournament is is also intergender. Um, I mentioned Trisha Dora, who is a massive crowd favorite at primetime. She is one of the big contenders for for that title, which is really badass and exciting that she might actually do it. Um, and yeah, you know, so when you're when you're you're in this position that we were in, I think that the natural inclination for so many promotions is to be like, all right who are these other guys? What are they about? How can they threaten us? But no, like a discussion that, that I had with, with, with Chris and, and Johnny was that we can make the best kind of competition is the kind of competition competition that makes everybody better. Um, I want to, I want to watch their shows as they run in the same exact, very, very small city that I run in. I want to watch their shows and be like, all right, we need to change up something and we need to do something a little bit differently. And I know that they do the same with us. Um, and so, you know, I guess like so much of this is, is just to say that as, as a wrestling community, as promotions, the, the divide and conquer kind of territory thing doesn't need to exist. We can grow wrestling for all communities, for, for everybody everywhere. Um, and, you know, as a, as a queer community too, like, I don't know. I'm I'm so proud of my roster and my and and the primetime roster doesn't all look like me. Um I I really 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 passionately feel that um as a white person, you know, am I lacking privilege in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. Um am I abundantly privileged in others? Yeah, it's, you know, depending on on what room I'm walking into. Absolutely. Um and so to be able to to pull up other promotions with us, other wrestlers with us. I'm not a wrestler. I'm, I'm not in the ring showing off in the same way that a lot of these athletes are. My job is to put the best of the best out there and to give a ring and to give a microphone to people who have not gotten it before. Um, and that's, that's exactly what I aim to do. It's, it's really fun doing podcasts. It's really fun having a few professional photos of me come out every time <laughs> I get in the ring and I, and I run my mouth. That's always really exciting. But, um, you know, as, as publicly as I'm willing to be alongside Gator, like real faces of, of primetime pro, I, I do this because there are a lot of people who need to be put out there who have not been put out there yet. And so, you know, pay it forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Corny, like... corny phrase, but real true one. So um, yeah, wow, that was like that was a solid six minutes of me just talking about the queer wrestling community and how we all just need to do better by by each other. But hey, it's, hey. it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. No, to it's do, to do well by each other. No, not at all. Like just gotta 
learn how to make your own pie. There you go. Um, and so we'll be running our next show on January 18th at the Deanwood Recreation Center. The very, 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 very long tournament title, which I never attempt because I always fuck it up and then I feel really bad sure. because I do all the branding. I um, still have it in front of me. I can I can rail it off for you again real quick. Please do. Go for it. Go so, for it. So the first annual Invitational Grand Prix Tournament of Tournaments Classic International. January 18th at the Deanwood Rec Center um, because go. they have the highest ceilings. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Twitter at HellbenderLow, just HellbenderLow. Um, and please, please, please follow and come to our shows, Primetime Pro Wrestling. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram for the most part. But my God, what a dying medium. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also on YouTube. We have a really, really amazing um, team of local guys who do all of our our video and everything for us and it's it's really amazing to be able to have community dudes come in and do this um so yeah a lot of oh. words a lot of words but <laughs> yeah check out primetime pro wrestling we are very fun people no <laughs> oh, it definitely sounds that way and um when can we expect to hear some more details about butch versus gore if you don't mind me asking let's get to january 18th i got you i was gonna look we haven't even publicly announced billy as a uh as my my co-producer so ah, okay. I, I guess you you guys will be the ones to truly break that news oh a scoop there you go I'm i know a, a belated scoop but a scoop nonetheless hey it works <laughs> <laughs> all right lolo thank you so much thank you so much and you know best of luck in all things you know, I can't honestly think of a more apt metaphor to come out of that conversation than the, the shitty pie. Um, and <laughs> it, it fits all too well. Um, and a lot of us, not just us, but a lot of uh, people within the industry, queer, straight, cis, trans, however you identify, um, we got to stop being the people that eat the pie or try and grab the pie and, and turn into bakers ourselves. Now, but I want to thank Lolo again for, for coming on the show. It was this, this chat was uh, a bit more apt considering some of the recent stuff that has been going down in the, the DC uh, pro wrestling scene, um, which is a shame to see. You know, you don't, you know, I know that, um, many people have spoken about this but um there's no reason why transphobia homophobia any kind of phobia or, or hate speech or or hateful feelings that are targeted at a marginalized community not just the queer community but any marginalized community should be used um within uh a, in a pro wrestling sense uh, to further a storyline to garner heat to garner fan ire um, it has no place in this industry in any way shape or form performative or genuine um, especially whenever the perform the genuine informs the performative um, and I know that that's been a thing that that is it's not just exclusive to um, a certain company or a certain person within this industry um, but it's a message that should be continue to be spread um, 
because it allows the normalization for the targeting of people within our communities. It makes pro wrestling an unsafe place. It makes people not want to see... It makes people not want to go to shows. It makes people not want to see your company grow. It makes people not want to see you as a, as a person grow. Especially whenever you refuse to grow. It's a shame that there are people in this industry that still feel like they have to hold on to that sort of stuff. I know we're not that far removed from the gay panic character being the boilerplate for the queer community in the pro wrestling scene. Um, and... I'm sorry, but we've evolved. We're dragging y'all along with us. Um, and those that don't want to learn and grow um, can just drop by the wayside. Like, it's... I, It's apt that Lolo brought up Effie's promo at Pride and Joy um, in Illinois last June because the one line that I always hold on to out of that promo is we're out for blood. It's not about tolerance. It's about acceptance. <laughs> we're not going away. So if you don't learn to accept us and to coexist with us in your community, then I'm sorry, we're not the ones that are going to be gone. That's just how it is. Sorry, I'm very very passionate about this so yeah oh lord merry christmas though <laughs> the holidays always have a way of bringing out the emotion um in me but um but yeah no follow lolo definitely follow lolo on twitter uh, at hellbender low that's they're an awesome follow follow primetime pro wrestling at primetime pw on twitter um and then you know, they have their YouTube channel, but they also have a lot of their shows on Independent Wrestling TV, um, which, of course, that's independentwrestling.tv. Um, I know they have their, I think their first four shows all the way up through Submission Without Representation um, on IWTV for anybody that wants to check that out. Plenty of stuff on their YouTube channel as well. But definitely give them a watch. Give them... Uh, your attention. They are doing awesome things out there, and I cannot wait for January 18th, and even more so for March 7th. Uh, both of those shows are going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. But that is going to do it for us this week here at LGBT in the Ring. Oh, I almost forgot. We finally launched our official Twitter account. Yeah, <laughs> I. I've been lazy. I. Maybe lazy is not the right word. I think it's just been distracted with other stuff, um, other things that I needed to do. But we finally got it up. You can follow the show now at LGBT Ring Pod on Twitter. And also, if you want to drop us a line, we have an email address now too LGBTRingPod at gmail.com. So, yeah, questions, comments. If you got somebody that you want to see on the show, if you got something that you want to highlight, like send it out there into the world. The DMs are open also on for the the show's Twitter. Don't give me a reason to close them. I don't mean to be abrasive about that. I just really don't want to have to close them. So <laughs> anyway, 
we're moving up as we end the year here. So 2020 is looking super bright for us here at the show. Um, but of course, there are other people that help the show be what it is. And we cannot end the year without thanking them once again, like we do every single week here. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, uh, the creator of the Progress Pride flag that we use in our logo. The Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And then, of course, I can't thank this band enough for for letting me use this song that, honestly, I was bumping for like a year before the show even started. Um, Sarah and the Safe Word, love them to death. The show's theme is called Formula 666. That's off of their album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and on Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. And then, of course, if you're also into video games, I do co-host a gaming news podcast every Monday with a couple of awesome Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. That show is called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. It goes live on Twitch every Monday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, and then, of course... Continue following Outsports.com, the Outsports radio network, all of our awesome shows here on this channel. Like I I know I thanked all of the all the people that have made this opportunity possible for me during the show, but I have to offer that thanks again here as we end twenty nineteen. As we end a decade, I don't have enough within me to thank them. Like there's just too much and and um I just want them, you know, Don, Jim, Sid, you know, all the people that have been on the show, Billy, Sophie, Daniel, Rachel, which, Kira Hogan, like, so many awesome people that have made, helped this show be what it is, um, by offering themselves and their words and their emotions and, and, their, and their realness, and, you know, thank you, thank you so much. We will see you all next Thursday for our first show of a new decade. Oh, it's going to be a fun time, y'all. Until then, take care of yourselves. Keep on surviving this holiday season. Stay messy. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Coming from the top of the bridge She made a deal with the demon So her lover could live With the moon in